are a W-2 capitalist. You are addressing the gap between your successful, fulfilling W-2 job and building wealth for your family through real estate investing. You are ready to earn, invest, repeat. Welcome to the W-2 Capitalist Podcast. Now, let's get to work. Here's your host, Jay Helm. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Jay Helms, and I'm the founder of this podcast and movement known as the W2 Capitalist. Today's episode is the first timer for me, actually. Uh, we're doing an Ask Me Anything, and I say we because I've got my buddy and investing partner, Tim Kelly, on the line. Tim, what's up? Howdy. Man? So, uh, other than this intro, I butt dialed you the other day, and that, and then. <laughs> We Such a pleasant about, surprise. <laughs> we talked about for five minutes. And I had to go to work. You were pulling in the base. And um, it dawned on me, that's the most that we've spoken in a couple months. Unfortunately, so, <laughs> that is accurate. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I'm having babies. You're traveling the world. You're taking on ADPI. You guys are kicking ass and taking names. So uh, I also saw you You did a trip to uh, like Canada. Yeah, man, it was incredible. We went uh, all over Canada, a couple different cities. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. So a um, little insight here as we're recording this. This is the first time. Tim and I have actually not talked about how we're going to do this. <laughs> but I did post, uh, let everybody know we're going to do this, Ask Me Anything episode on the Facebook group and also on my LinkedIn page. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting used to LinkedIn, so I don't really know the lingo there. But anyway, got several comments. I probably should have sent you, sent you these ahead of time. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll dive into these. What There's like seven or eight questions here. We'll go into them. Um, a lot of them are focused on mobile home parks, so yeah. it's mainly going to be you. So mm -hmm. um, real quick, and, and Tim, I really don't know this, so I'm asking you straight up. What's your portfolio look like now? <laughs> How I don't know that is uh, is a little ridiculous. But anyway. yeah, um, <clears throat> I mean, I've been directly involved in raised capital for owner control, almost like a thousand units at this at this point. Nice. Um, we just closed a couple um, with ADPI Capital. We just closed an eighty unit uh, apartment community, and then we're about to close a, a seventy one pad mobile home community um this week um well supposed to be this week it might might be delayed until next kind of iron all that out but but yeah uh just i've had a dip almost kind of like a different role in in every single one between yeah. just gp or um you know helped connect uh you know capital um to the deal or you know was managing the asset or more more or less um hands-on so so yeah, man, it's been, it's, and it all happened within like less than the last three years, maybe um, since I got here. I mean, since you and I oh, closed that yeah. apartment community back in, in September of 2017. Yeah. That's like basically since that point. Um, so a little over two years. Right? Yeah. That's crazy, um, man. But, uh, but yeah, before that, it was like all a bunch of trying to figure out what I want to do. And then, uh, narrowing it down and honing in on multifamily then submitting a bunch of offers without like really know what the hell i was doing and then and then bam all of a sudden you know we connected and then it, it was kind of like you know off to the races and there went the momentum yeah it's crazy to think of um i don't know it's it's just weird to think because i i was uh actually was a guest on jake and gino's podcast this morning um, or nice. I don't know when the episode is going to come out, but, uh, yeah. they're like, Hey, what, what, uh, they asked me the question, what project are you most excited about right now? And it stumped me. And, uh, if they don't cut it out, cause it, I was, it was pretty brutal. I was like, you know, I really don't know because I started out this year and I'm in self-reflection mode, right? Cause we're here uh, recording this was a week before Thanksgiving. And this is the time of year I usually just kind of sit back and say, okay, what did I really accomplish this year? Where do I need to focus next year? And I do this every year. And last year I came out of this self-reflection mode thinking, okay, not going to buy anything 
This is in 2019. I'm not going to buy anything. I'm not going to sell anything. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit back, see what the market does, stack some cash, and just be patient. And um, uh, the way this came up is is Jake introduced me as he's got 49 units, uh, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wait a minute. Where'd you get that info? Because I didn't give it to him. And I was like, so here's the thing. We... That's where I was in January. Uh, now I'm at 323. Uh, most of it's limited partnership. Um, but it's, it's just wild how things change and things are, um, uh, it's amazing. I'm loving yeah. mailbox, mailbox money. It's yeah. I, yeah. I want to know more about the, uh, the LP deals that you decided to invest in. Um, yeah. So we can, I mean, I don't, we could talk about that offline unless you want to dive into it, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm uh, let's talk about it offline today. We are here yeah. for the people, right? Yeah. We've yeah. got, uh, oh, we'll see, we'll see how much time we have, but we've got like seven or eight questions. I know we booked an hour. I don't think it's going to take that long. Um, but the reason why I texted you and said, Hey man, can we start early is because, uh, Cassie's got the kids out of the house. So it's kind of quiet. <laughs> yeah. So if you hear screaming pterodactyls in a minute. Yeah my that means my time is uh is going to be very limited uh no doubt let's dive in let's do it so the first question comes from allison weiss this is a linkedin post question it says how does operational risk compare from multifamily to mobile home parks and i don't necessarily know if i understand what she's asking there do you Oh yeah. So check it out. Like the main thing is when you own an apartment community, you own the dwelling, the structures, the, all the doors, the whole building, the land, you know, everything that's directly associated with the property, everything. And so with that, you own more, you have more expenses, more overhead, um, not really like comparable amount of income growth, but you have more liability, more risk right? But mobile home communities, a lot of times, and most owners are, their, their goal is to have 100% tenant owned homes, 100%, right? So you're just on all the ground and you have a hundred mobile homes that are all owned by the tenant. They're paying taxes, insurance, maintenance, repairs. You don't capture the amount of appreciation or you can't depreciate all that on your taxes, but a lot less risk, a lot more liability on the tenants, but it's almost like a win-win because a lot of those tenants want to become homeowners and you're giving them the opportunity to be a homeowner. Yeah. With that comes responsibility, but that is a morale booster in, in mobile home community. So I think I, that's my initial, uh, how I will initially interpret that question. Um, there, you're, you're, it's actually, there's actually less risk in a mobile home community, if it's obviously managed right, uh, if you if you buy it properly and you put the right financing on it, um, you have the opportunity to have a lot less risk and have that liability and that risk shifted to the owners of the home. And a lot of times it's mostly going to be tenant-owned homes. But sometimes so there's a lot of owners that want to own, mobile home park owners that want to own the homes because there is more rent income unfortunately it's not capitalizable right but a lot of times you have more revenue if you have good systems in place to for all the transactions of maintenance and repairs there is more growth for total noi um that's uh, hopefully that answers the question i think that's maybe what she was talking about but what do you think what do you think yeah the way you phrased your answer helps me understand the question and i think you're hit the nail nail on the head is that from an operational standpoint, if you just own the dirt, I mean, what risk is there, right? Inf- There's always infrastructure. Risk. Yeah. I mean, your water yeah, and your sewer. Yeah, water and sewer. Yeah. But, um, and, and I know when we've looked at mobile home parks before together, we were always focused on city water and city sewer with yeah. individual meters. But yeah. most mobile home parks are not going to be that way. They're, they're potentially going to be on pump water or, um, or septic. Septic. Um, yep. Yep. For their sewer or a well for water. Well, Some water. Have, yeah. Like, what did I say? Pump? I don't know. It, but it, it is a pump, essentially. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, a wastewater treatment plant, you know, for sewer. But yeah, best case scenario, city water, city sewer, individually metered. Same thing with yeah. electrical. Individual pedestals, direct bill to the city. Um, and obviously, when the tenant is paying for their own utilities, total consumption will be at least 30% less. Yeah. Total consumption. 
hands down, because they're not going to wash their car every day and they're not going to let the water run if there's a toilet flapper that's broken because they're like, oh, crap, I got to pay for this water. Let me figure this out. Let me not wash my car every every week or every day. Let the water run. Um, so, yeah, we always foster conversation or conservation in our parks and tenant, uh, tenant owned homes is always the best with city water, city sewer, individually metered direct. Bill yeah. I'm trying to figure out how I can um, charge my kids water consumption. There's, there's... <laughs> well, you, have, you have a rub spreadsheet, right? Just bill it back to them. I should. Like, I should. Like, You're right. <laughs> they're they're <laughs> occupying. How many showers do each of them take, or how many oh, baths man. are each of them taking? It's oh, it's uh, most. It, it's our water bill is not that high, but it's just yeah. one of those that expense. When I look at it, I'm like. That's fifty dollars higher than it should be. It really mm-hmm. is. If we would mm-hmm. just turn the, and I no, I'm not going to jump in a rabbit. It's not that big of a deal, but I like to pick <laughs> on it. Um, all right. So question number two. This is another LinkedIn post. This is from TJ Hines. Uh, he's in that group that we did the uh, the ten day CRE challenge uh, with. Uh, he asked, "What is the best piece of advice you can give when things just don't seem to work out as you plan them to?" And that is a really good question. Easy. I mean, I want to hear your answer, man. I man so, <laughs> you honestly, you just got to keep pushing through it, right? And you can go so many. I wonder, I wish I, I would ask TJ for clarification on this. Um, does he mean mobile home? Does he mean multifamily? Is there something specific in a multifamily? But you, you know, my advice is you got to adapt, you got to adjust and adapt. Right. Um, I wonder what he wonder what he wants to make. Even if it's more just a general question, this is really good to talk about for anybody, whether you're an investor or whether you're in corporate America or whether you're in the military, whatever you do, you have to understand there are gonna be bad days. It is part of the process to have a bad day. If you're if you're not waking up one day just not feeling motivated, not inspired, not inspired, there's like something wrong. Okay. So you have to expect law of averages. You go through a bunch of days, you're going to have a bad day. And you just have to understand a, it's part of the process and B the better your morning routine is and the better group of people that you're surrounding yourself with, the the less you're going to have it. I don't like, I don't really remember the last time I had that day, that type of day. I think it's because I'm always delivering value to other people. Like obviously with ADP, I yeah. all we do is help people and deliver value to others. So, you know, but I have a morning routine. I'm waking up really early. I, I have a routine. I'm always mind feeding with inspirational, positive, motivational type stuff, as well as always growing every day as a person. And there's always, there's so much to accomplish. So understanding it's part of the process, whether you're in business or you're not, you're going to have a bad day. Um, but like during those bad days, knowing, okay, cool. It's, it is what it is. I'm not going to let it completely stifle my day or my productivity. I'm just like, okay, this is one of those days. It is whatever. Let me reshift and, and figure out what's going to help get me to that level. And usually it's by calling somebody or talking to somebody like a conversation like this and making sure you are surrounding yourself with people that are engines who are taking you up to the next level, not anchors that are holding you down and be like, Oh, it's okay. Well, you know, the being the negative person and, and the negative influence, cause a lot of people, misery loves company and, mm, and, and they're just going to kind of weep <laughs> with you and they're going to, they're going to, if you're saying, woe is me and you have that victim mentality, they're going to make up excuses with you. You need those people that are going to call you out and say, Hey, you, you need to stop making excuses. You need to figure it out. And, you know, like repivot and and get to the next level and just keep moving forward, period. That's it. Yeah. And TJ, what I would say is that Tim's right. Your, you know, your morning routine, I'm the same way with as Tim. I get up pretty early. Uh, the reason I do that is because I know I'm going to have a couple of hours of uninterrupted time where I can focus on whatever it is I want to focus on. Usually it's real estate investing stuff right? It could be Mm -hmm. this podcast. It could be something with the the Facebook group where you guys submitted the questions or looking at deals, which has been few and far between here recently for me. But, um, you know, it's, it's, and I adopted that. It's a combination of how Elrod's book, The Miracle Morning, but also the one thing uh, by, is that Jay Papazan and Jay Papazan and Gary Keller? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of focus on 
the one thing in the, in the morning when I get up, uh, I've got my list of real estate stuff to do. I know if I knock that out and I spend a couple of hours being extremely passionate, doing something I'm extremely passionate about, my entire day is on a different course than it is if I sleep in and hit snooze. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm like you, Tim, I'm trying to remember now there's times when I get frustrated, but there, I'm trying to remember the last time where I had like a bad day. Yeah, man. I don't remember I mean, that. You're get, um, you give a lot. You give a lot of your time, dude. You have a whole entire community that you are inspiring, that you are training, that you are educating. Um, you're, you built this amazing community and it's just, the more you give in, in value, the more you'll receive in abundance. And I truly believe that. Um, yeah. and I think it's because we don't really worry about ourselves. We're worried about helping other people. Yeah. And if you kind of consider yourself a lot and you're like, Oh, I don't feel right. Or this doesn't feel right. Or I, you know, what was me, whatever, then that's total. That is where the law of averages is really going to kind of, be disadvantageous for you it's it's you're gonna feel um it the bad things happen to you if you're always worried about you you know yeah you ever been around somebody consistently that has the um uh victim mindset doesn't matter what happened they're always the victim you ever been around somebody like that we're we're surrounded by them (laughs) i mean there's it's so depressing man i have to get away from those people quick because it's just so depressing yeah the, the thing is like, we're able to recognize that. And yeah. it, like, I, I have feel like I have a duty or obligation to call them out and, and maybe help them with the paradigm shift of, of, and, and I do actually, I one of my, my still active duty and I'm training junior officers, the officer yeah. pilot students are, are, I'm instructing pilot students as they're going through their pipeline. And I, I have an ethics class that I teach them about leadership. And I use that to talk about professional development and mindset and personal development, like especially in the military, you cannot have that victim mentality at all. If you do, you need to stop because no one cares. No, yeah. get better. No, <laughs> yeah, no one cares. World, it's a little bit different. Right. No one cares. Work harder. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Period. Like, and, and so, um, so yeah, we're all we're surrounded by them, especially you know if we we still have a W two job. Um, people who are stuck in that scarcity W two mindset, they're they're gonna have that what was me mentality that scarcity non-growth mindset um and you either like i said i have an obligation sometimes i feel like i'm wasting my time if i try to help them understand this yeah because i think a lot of people are not going to change but but yeah those are not the people that i choose to hang out with i'm only hanging out with them because i'm i still right right now for the next like 10 months i'll I'll, I'll have a, I'll be employed and then I'll, then I'll be unemployed. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to exit? Can't wait. <laughs> uh, we're, we're chasing a bunch of rabbits here, which I knew would happen because we had. Yeah, I know, man. Yeah. While, which by the way, we hadn't hung out. Are you saying I have a scarcity mindset? I'm a negative person. I'm joking. No, I feel um, bad because I, I've been passing your, your house almost like once a week. Allison's dad nope. bought a house in Navarre. Don't tell me that. So we go, I pass Tiger Point, like, at least a couple times a month. You know what I mean? Hey, it's no worries. We're probably not here anyway. It's uh, the scheduling. I mean, I took off today from work just to record podcast because it's been nice. that. Yeah. And uh, I need a little break. It's getting close to the holidays. and, and stuff yep. like that. But, um, yeah, you're my fourth one to do today. So Damn. it was uh, – making the most of it. But other than that, you know, we're not here. Cassie's usually out with the kids doing something. She's keeping them busy. They're all keeping us busy. So, uh, but take a chance, maybe stop yeah. by, knock on the door. I'll get in trouble. Cause I wasn't, didn't give any warning and the house is probably going to be a wreck. <laughs> I'll at least give you the courtesy call. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, I'm five minutes away. What are you doing? <laughs> oh man. All right. So let's, let's get back on track here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, this one comes from well, two different people. They asked it in a similar, and it's going to be one you're going to have to handle. Uh, but two different people, John Fortes, which he has an awesome podcast and does Dustin Hendrickson. Sorry, Dustin. Um, question is why do you prefer mobile home parks over all the other commercial real estate? And I'm throwing that one to you because I don't, prefer <laughs> yeah mobile home parks to other commercial at least not yet right yeah so there is uh you know most people whether they realize it or not um there is a 
affordable housing crisis that, that we have been facing for a very long time. And, um, you know, I think last year I read the statistic, um, you know, for every 10 people right now in America that need affordable housing, only 2.5 of them are having it provided to them. There's just not enough clean, safe, functional, affordable housing for the workforce um, and affordable housing working class, right? So number one, mobile home, mobile homes are the most of type, the most affordable type of housing. Whether you own your home or not, and let's say even if you're paying lot rent plus unit rent, that's still going to be more than the average rent. Okay. Stamp like hundred percent. The average rent right now in, in America for the apartment communities are over a thousand bucks a month. Okay. Mm -hmm. The average lot rent right now across America for mobile home, for mobile home parks is less than $300 a month. So a lot of times, obviously if they own their own home, it's already paid off whether they're on a lease option. So may, they might still have like a few mortgage payments or, le or lease purchase option or rent option uh, contract that they're still paying on, whether it's two, three, four, even $500 a month. Right. And then that will be done in two or three years, but then their lot rent 300 bucks a month is all that their monthly obligation is going to be. Uh, less obviously their living, their other utilities, their water, their electricity and stuff like that. So number one, it's, it's, there's no more affordable, more uh, affordable type of housing available today. And those lot rents right there are only going up. So many people dove into this niche because so many moms and pops have owned these mobile home parks over time and have literally been afraid to raise the lot rents with fear of increased vacancy. So there's so much upside with that lot rent and we all like added value, right? A lot of people yeah. <laughs> want to go into multifamily because they want to reposition an asset that requires added value, that requires value add or that has value add opportunities. So lot rents are only going up. Okay. And you know, there, there's, there's an amazing amount of people out there um, that, baby boomers and millennials that are recognizing that this affordable housing is available and it's not the stigma that, you know, trailer park boys and eight mile gives mobile home parks is simply <laughs> untrue. Like if you look back at the history of mobile home parks, yeah. when mobile homes like were actually first introduced um, into America, only the most wealthy people own them because they were able to afford to, to pretty much like have a truck that will tow their mobile home to from place to place to place as they go travel the world. Right. Mm. And then like Elvis Presley and, and Dolly Parton, like all these celebrities lived in mobile home parks back in the day in the fifties and sixties. And then like the lot rent wasn't going up, right? So then they realized, people realized they kind of just came in there and then it was just affordable housing. And then, you know, people were not increasing the community and, and improving the community. So then obviously the, the, the class that lived in there got lower and lower and lower. And now they are where they were today. And, and but more people, baby boomers and, and millennials are realizing I don't need a huge house, right? For me and my family, I only want a affordable housing, it's as big as I need it, like tiny homes. It's almost, you know, a lot of mobile home parks are a, a mix of mobile homes, tiny homes, and RVs. And that's yeah. the best, one of the best ratios to have, and depending on the market, of course. But um, yeah, I mean, there's no more, there, there's so many baby boomers and millennials that are looking at it as a, as, a, as a decent form of housing. There's no more, it doesn't get any more affordable than that. Lot rent's only going up. Um, and there's just less, it's, 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 there's a barrier of entry. So less investors are looking at this class because of the stigma. So there's less investor competition in the mm -hmm. multifamily niche and, uh, they're the best cap rates hands down. That's the only reason why I think you and I started looking at them. Cause when we were looking at apartment complexes, we we're like, well, shit, six yeah. cap is all I can get, or maybe seven cap if I'm lucky, but there's still 10 caps out there available in mobile home parks in the right markets. So what um, you guys are finding now and what in your uh yes current ser search yep yep so yeah, cool. those i mean those are some of the advantages i can i could keep going but i mean i don't want to 
Yeah, it sounds like a topic you're pretty passionate about. <laughs> it's just, I mean, think about like all the reasons why people get into real estate and get involved, and they want passive income, they want they want capital, they they want to, you know, um, there, there's a lot of misconceptions about 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 the mobile home park space, and you could really just literally just own just the ground and have no liability, but people are paying you lot rent with almost no overhead at all. All you got to do is make sure that the landscaping is upkeeped right? That, that the grass is getting cut or the snow is getting shoveled, that the signage is nice and presentable when you go in the park, that the mailbox structures are on point, they're safe, they're clean, and that there's lighting, right? Yeah. Uh, and that the trees are not overgrown. So it's like the infrastructure and that, that community is it. But if you buy a city water, city sewer, and, 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 and you understand how the utilities work and what the material of the lines are and, and what to really look out for during your diligence, there is just incredible upside. And, um, yeah. and, and I need to introduce you to, um, Gabriel Hamill. Do you know him? Uh, it doesn't, doesn't ring a bell. Uh, somebody, I just literally just hung up with him when I texted you earlier and said, Hey man, I'm ahead of schedule. Um, but he's in Oregon. He's, he's focused on mobile home parks as well. Yeah. So it might be somebody you can tap into, but I'll uh, be happy to do an intro for yeah. you. Um, all right. So next question, this is going to have to be you too, when you understand once I read it, this comes from uh, Brody Oaks, who is a member of the W2 capitalist uh, mastermind, but Brody asked, can you use a VA loan from a spouse to cash out? Let me back up before I answer this and the disclaimer for any question that we've answered, uh, it's probably best to be answered by your attorney or your CPA. Tim and I are neither one of those, right? Yeah, this is our opinion. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. I just made the legal team happy, but there can you, you use, this is from Brody. Can you use a VA loan from a spouse to cash out refinance a primary residence under someone else's name? For example, uh, the loan is in his name only, but they live in it together. Hmm. So I guess my first question is, is the spouse active duty because um, he or she won't, I mean, they, they don't have the VA loan entitlement. I don't think um, they are. I know Brody um, somewhat. I don't think neither one of them is active duty currently. Yeah. Um, so if, yeah, the vet, only the veteran is going to have that VA loan entitlement. And so are they able to refinance their primary home? using the spouse's VA loan. Spouse doesn't have a VA loan entitlement. Okay. Period. I mean, um, my biggest recommendation is, you know, if you're not already a part of the active duty passive income Facebook group, that's like over 6,000 people now. And it's just a bunch of vets, active duty spouses, you know, that are just hanging out all into, into investing. And if you're not part of that community, you really need to be, um, if you're military affiliated, drop that question in there and you'll yeah. get, you'll get bombarded with, with answers. Um, and so, um, so yeah, obviously I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm still plugging the active duty passive income community, but sure, um, sure. you know, we have a free book right now. It's a best selling book. It's free on our website. Uh, we have a podcast, you know, that we've interviewed Robert Kiyosaki, Tom Wheelwright, Garrett Sutton, Grant Cardone, Elena Cardone, Jocko Willink. Um, you know, we just interviewed all these people over the last six months. And then we also interview people who are like new investors who are active duty, whether they're 0102, E4, E5 that are closing on their first primary or their first investment uh, property for some inspiration because those stories are just as special. Um, and we Absolutely. are, also, yeah, we already have, we also have a coalition of real estate agents from East Coast to West Coast that are the cream of the crop agents that are ADPI certified. Um, that have an investor mindset. We have our own mortgage brokerage and our own mortgage branch. Um, so we're able to fund your BA loans and fund your investment loans for you uh, that we, where we could offer better rates than the typical financial institutions because there's no middlemen and not a bunch of people need to get paid. So we're offering the lowest rates. Um, and we also have a, an insurance company for whole life insurance policies for those advanced investors. And so um, definitely if you're not part of that community and you're anywhere affiliated with the military, get involved all kinds of free stuff. We have a couple free eBooks, Facebook page. Our, our best-selling book is free. 
Um, just had to plug that for the people who are listening who are military yeah. affiliated and not yet part of that. And now uh, I'll make sure I put a link in there to activedutypassiveincome.com. Yeah. Right? Get it. Uh, but yeah, I think Brody kind of stumped us on that one, right? So we don't, I don't yeah. know. I haven't had to deal with VA. Like Tim said, you know, post that question in the group. I'd also recommend finding a VA loan, um, someone who specifies on VA loans yep. and post that to them as well. Um, yeah, I, I would, and then if, if you could remember this, his name is Jason Wood. He's our preferred VA lender. He's actually part of the ADPI team. His name is again, yeah. Jason Wood, hit him, hit him up or, you know, shoot him a, a DM on, on Facebook. Um, but like I said, it, unless I'm understanding the question wrong, the, the spouse does not have her or his own VA loan entitlement. Hmm. Um, but you, you could refinance with, with using your VA loan entitlement, but a lot of people like to refinance out of the VA loan and put an investment loan uh, on it yeah. so they could use their VA loan entitlement to go purchase another, you Find know, one to four one. unit property. Yeah. I will, uh, actually we have our mastermind call tonight and I will probably see Brody then. Yeah, and I'll mention all this to him. So we do too. <laughs> we have our mastermind call tonight too. Our How about that? Tuesday's a popular yeah. night for that. No Monday night right. football. That's right. <laughs> All right. So next question. This comes from Jeff Blue Harrison, which I I love that his name's Blue. You're my boy. Uh, <laughs> <That's awesome>. From <laughs> Facebook. Uh, it's pretty long, so bear with me as I get through this. This is when we are talking large multifamily syndication, especially value add. There's always a very clear cut exit strategy with backup strategies as well. Very good of you there, Blue. Um, what are some of the exit strategies you have or have seen others plan when buying mobile home parks? Um, yeah, we'll go with that one. And then I'll ask the second part to his uh, question here. What kind of exit strategies do you guys have as far as your, your on your mobile home park syndications? There's really not a big difference that when you're, when you're looking at a five to seven year hold for value adds on apartment communities, um, the, the mobile home park syndications are going to be almost exactly the same structure. Every single deal is different. Um, you know, a lot of the projections, you know, will depend on your investor capital and who, what kind of your investors, what the, the relationships you have with your investors, what their goals are. Do they want to put their money in something for five to seven years? Sometimes it might be a 10 year hold. Um, but a lot of those five to seven year holds, they could be repositioned within two years or less or maybe three years or four years. But the projection is usually like, look, this is going to be your anticipated return. This is our plan. We plan on getting a, the reposition done in this amount of time. But in most cases, that reposition is done a lot quicker to cash out the investors um, and, and to reposition it, whether to sell it or refinancing, you know, at base. But if you if you're familiar with the syndication on a multifamily apartment community, there's really no difference um, on the syndication on a mobile home park except better returns. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, and I'll say the same thing. I love that um, Jeff said something about having multiple exit strategies. I think it's hugely important. Yeah. For that, but it, yeah, is I mean, you can speak. You spoke to that very positively and very yeah. confidently i i don't know what a mobile home park extra strategy i can't imagine i kind of lump all those up in the same commercial uh real estate type niche uh except for better returns as tim said on the mobile home park communities but you know you're going to look at somewhere from a a, a five-year no long no longer than five years to return the initial investment and then um uh after that it's up to the asset a management team, right? What to do yep. with the asset. Yep, exactly. <clears throat> yeah, I'll tell uh, you that we're uh, in the process of selling Oak Creek Estates. No. In Creola? Yeah. Yeah, we're getting it sold, baby. Talk about <laughs> less than five years. <laughs> That's right, man. That was a little bit over a year. A little bit over a year. Nice. Uh, all right, let me get to Jeff's second part of Jeff's question. It says, with the increased interest of late, in this niche so mobile home parks i could see uh this i think he's he's, i could see having multiple exit strategies helping but are you worried about what this might look like in four to five years and how do you continue to cultivate interest investors while not adding too much competition for yourself 
Um, thank you in advance and a big thank you for your service, sir. Um, great question. How do you cultivate interest without creating competition for yourself? Yeah, that, uh, first of all, I appreciate that. Can't hear that enough. And, um, and so it's, you know, that I think that is kind of blurring the lines of having a scarcity mindset. Um, you, yeah, you, have to understand, agree. you know, I mean, you got to understand there's so much capital out there. There are so many people that are not actively investing that want to invest that don't have time, but have tons of capital sitting in CDs, their IRA, checking accounts, savings accounts, their TSP. They are literally waiting for you to approach them with an investment opportunity. And so that is an excuse and you have to understand that's an excuse that's only stopping you from moving forward and creating a great opportunity for people. Um, I mean, straight up, I think it's kind of selfish. Mm. Yeah. You could offer people an opportunity, but you're, you have this fear from the unknown that is stopping you and you're not able to help other people grow their wealth. Selfish. I see where he's coming from though. I, yeah. I can see where he's coming from, but I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's, uh, you know, if you're, if you're scared of, of, um, creating too much competition for yourself, then you will be on an Island pretty soon all by yourself. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm trying to understand, maybe I misunderstood the question when he said creating competition for myself, how do you interpret that? So I look at it as if, you know, as, as we're, we've gone out and I'm not as good at this as you are, but you go out and you, you try to stir up interest for uh, investors to get on board in the mobile home, mobile home park community or multifamily community. And, you know, eventually start going to start clicking with some folks and they're like, well, I could do this deal with Tim or I could go after my own deal or maybe go after some of the same deals as Tim and try to get a little bit bigger piece of the pie. So, I get what he's saying, but in the end, if that were to happen, I don't know that I want to be partners with that person anyway. No, not at all. And I mean, again, I, so I did understand it right. Stand firm with my response. Me and, <laughs> you, would not be do, me and you would not be doing this if we had that same mindset. Yeah. We wouldn't be sharing with other people. This is how we, we failed. We don't want you to fail. So do this. Yeah. This is why we just we are we created this multifamily academy in ADPI. We have a, a residential investing course and a multifamily investing course that's 20 modules long. And this multifamily investing course is to teach other people how to invest. And we're giving them our secrets and how we're doing what we're doing, how we're raising capital, how we're structuring our syndications, how we build relationships with SEC attorneys and insurance agents. And I have a whole entire module based on mobile home parks and we're giving people the tools for success. There's so many deals out there. There's so many opportunities out there. There's so much money out there. You cannot have that mindset. Otherwise you'll never going to move forward and make uh, make a deal. You need to just drop that mindset and surround yourself with different people. Yeah. Um, agree with you. 100%. Yep. Um, do you guys deal with uh, Lonnie dealers? I know that's mobile home specific lending, right? I've never, um, I'm very unfamiliar with that. I don't know what that is or if it's tailored think, to mobile home parks, never had any interaction with Lonnie dealers. Yeah. So I, I think it, I haven't either, uh, but I believe it was something that was, um, well, I'm just going to wrap it up and saying I don't have any, expertise in that or experience and neither do you. So Andy Teasley from, from the Facebook group. Sorry, buddy. You stumped us as well. Uh, yeah. great I question. Mean, there's, I, I want to assume, I don't want to go too deep into this in, in, in case I'm totally off here, but there's a couple different, there's a, well, there's a handful of different ways that you can put homes in a park and there's different dealers. There's, you know, 21st century mortgage offers really, really, really good financing to residents um, for new homes. And then, but there's also dealers who supply slightly used mobile homes. And so if he's talking about like dealers, um, for, to get more, um, homes into parks, I've never had any interaction with the Lonnie dealers, but there's a couple of pretty good dealers, 
um, out there. Like Clayton Holmes is obviously a manufacturer and a dealer that's obviously owned by Warren Buffett. That's one of his companies, yeah. uh, Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett. And he owns Clayton Holmes and Clayton Holmes has really good, uh, really good financing and programs in place, not only for, uh, not only for the resident itself, but for the own mobile home park operators to put a handful of homes in their park, literally no payments for 12 months until they can get a tenant in place. And then they just do a direct program with the tenant. So, um, but Lonnie dealers, I don't, I don't know what Lonnie dealers are, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll have to do some research and get back with it with you on that. Andy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm interested to know what he's talking about. Uh, and then the last question, uh, this comes from Mike Ray in the Facebook group. <clears throat> how do you, how, to, how do you find, there's two parts to this. How do you, um, why don't I just delete it? Um, how do you find a competent manager in a complete turnover park in a new market um, when the park is almost vacant? Man, so that's probably one of the trickier components of mobile home parks is is management. And, and each deal is so unique. Um, if you're under... 100 pads you're gonna probably have to get creative if you're under 70 pads you will have to get creative um and what i mean is that you won't be able to hire a firm like a that a property management company or a third party firm to handle everything for you and and there are some firms out there that will pretty much just like an apartment community manage the tenants and they'll also manage the reposition they'll manage the rehab and stuff like that um there are only a few credible ones in the mobile home park space that i've uh you know interacted with come into contact with that i'm aware of but if if you're saying in a new market meaning you probably don't know the market or don't have the relationships with people in the market it's gonna be difficult uh with a major reposition um you should probably not go after that especially if it's your first deal um that's just my recommendation. Unless you have subject matter experts in that market who are your partners, who are boots on the ground, who already have operated, who are currently operating, or who um, have a great deal of knowledge or a great network of mobile home park operators, asset managers. Um, if you're trying to just go after a deal that's in a market that you don't know and it's a major reposition, um, it's probably not going to be for you. It's going to be for people who are already established and have a network or institutional investors uh, who could afford to just put a lot of cash into their deals because they have a much lower cost of capital. Yeah. And as follow-up question, I think your answer is going to be very similar, but how do you find <clears throat> local handy people and contractors for that same new market park, right? And I think you hit the nail on the head. You build a relationship and you possibly partner with somebody who's already in that market uh, on that deal. Um, I, I would also recommend staying away from it if it's your first one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's a matter of like really going to the other parks, seeing who is, uh, seeing how the other parks are being managed, talk to the other operators in that area, build relationships with people in the mobile home park space, get involved with your mobile home park, associate the mobile home association, MHA, MHA in your state. Um, that is where all your answers are going to be. That is where you can network. Um, that is where people are focused on the mobile home park niche. Um, and, and they could help you pretty much get, figure out whatever you're with, whatever you're doing. Um, cause every single, every single deal is so unique. Um, you know, and if you have to understand your market, you have to understand what you're getting into. You have to understand the infrastructure. You have to understand how the infrastructure works, especially if it's not city water, city sewer. Um, if they're septic tanks or if it's a lagoon or if it's a wastewater treatment plant, you have to understand how they operate and the condition and how old they are. You got to understand the difference between like, you know, schedule 40 PVC, schedule 20 PVC, schedule 80 PVC or Orangeburg. Uh, Orangeburg is just like a paper, like a super thin schedule 20 PVC. It's literally breaks uh, or call like thin walled, line you know and that will just will just rupture and and it's like it's crazy that um they've even gotten away with that it's, they should never have been up to code but you got to understand really the condition and you know 
that there's companies out there that could scope the lines like American Leap Detection. They could scope the water and sewer lines for you. Um, you got to understand that the tree roots could definitely just get in between the sewer lines and take over and, and you know, cause the lines to crack. Um, and a lot of newer investors, if you don't have the people in, in, the, in the market, if you don't have this knowledge, you're just taking a huge risk. That's where it might be even more risky to get on in mobile home parks than, um, than other assets if you're just kind of going in there blind without the right network or not. Yeah, and I'll, uh, so he, he didn't ask specific, he asked specifically about a mobile home park, but uh, I will give him some advice on the, the multifamily side, you know, with our Centennial Square uh, it, you know, that property, we had trouble finding a property manager to take over it. We went through two until we found, uh, Krista, Krista's been doing an amazing job and she has lived in this city literally her entire life and she has all those connections. So speaks specifically to what you're talking about. It's, it's not a mobile home park, but it is a multifamily asset and a very similar, this is a new market for us, but for her, she's been there her entire life. So um, that also drove home. Well, you know, moving forward, we will never pass this up during due diligence. Always build a relationship with key people at city hall before yes. you close. Right. Yep. Especially for a mobile home park. You know, there, there's a really good, like Criola, there's a really good chance that the other mobile home park owners in that area are, are slumlords and they inherit bad tenants. So if you go in there and you don't brief city hall and talk to economic development and the inspector and zoning and planning, and maybe the fire marshal, right? Those are key people you need to have relationships with. If you're not doing that and you close on it and you buy it, they might assume you're just another one of those slumlords. So they're not going to take you seriously. They're not going to help you because you need them. You need them. You need their assistance to help you and also to help you evict the wrong tenants. Maybe, find a good property manager, maybe let you know when, Hey, this mobile home park's about to be completely redone. You're about to have a great, a bunch of great tenants looking for a space. I noticed you have 20 vacant pads. You know, if you have the relationship, they're going to let you know, Hey, check it out. You know, this is, they're going to help you make the best of your investment essentially. Yeah, so those, all, those people are, are kind of, you know, unpaid marketers, right? Yeah. So they, they really have nothing to gain except improvement for their city, which yeah. uh, if they're and an elected official. Krista, now our now property manager, she is the economic development rep of yep. the city. And we didn't even know that she was in real estate or a, an agent or a property manager um, until we, we kind of got to know her and she knew that we were struggling and looking for a manager. Uh, and then all of a sudden, bam, you know, but if we already built that relationship with her, that yep. could have saved us a lot of headaches and a lot of money. So definitely right, lesson learned for sure. Way. Yep. Yeah. All right, Mr. Tim Kelly. Uh, that is it for this round. I hope we get to do this again pretty soon. Actually, it's a lot of fun. Um, hope is not a good strategy. Let's just make it happen. Let's make it. <laughs> Maybe we do it once a quarter. We could talk oh, about this. Minimum, time. man. I'm talking minimum. like once a week. <laughs> You know how make, hard it dude, was for Jay, us to I'll get make this time for you, man. <laughs> I'll make time for you. Oh, man. I, I hear you. I hear you. All right. Well, let's make it happen. But in the meantime, let everybody know how they can reach out to you. Yeah, anytime. Please don't ever hesitate. Um, uh, spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, at the Timothy Kelly. A lot of time on Facebook, especially in the active duty passive income community. Um, and then obviously we have a multifamily mastermind Facebook, Facebook group, and then Instagram at the Timothy Kelly. And then my main website, uh, with all my shenanigans is the Timothy Um, the Timothy And so, uh, you know, I'm also, also because you guys are, are listening to Jay and, and I'm going to give you my cell phone number because every time I'm on a <laughs> podcast, I do this and it's always you know, ended, it resulted in good things. So, yeah. um, you could even just give me a call or shoot me a text at eight, four, seven, nine, one, zero, nine, one, six, one. Anybody who calls me or whatever, I will literally just sit and talk to you for 30 minutes and you could pick my brain, uh, one-on-one. -on -one. I could, I, I also do coaching outside of active duty, passive income and outside of the Navy. And I also coach people who are trying to get, uh, figure out their whole real estate investing game and trying to get through some maybe mental blocks and, and just create a better life for themselves. So I'll give you a free 30 minute strategy session and, and uh, just shoot me a text, give me a call and me, let's get to know each other. 
I was wondering if you're going to uh, give out your cell phone again. Yeah, man. <laughs> I love it. Not? Hey, if I do it on bigger pockets, I mean, why wouldn't I do it on, on Ask Me Anything, man? It's like. Uh, that's true. That's true. That's true. All right, buddy. Until next time, I will uh, talk to you soon. Yeah, man, for sure. Enjoy Later. It. Later.